0: Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. And I'm probably going to butcher his name as, as I start this, even though I've practiced it like four times already. <laughs> um, we have Coach Mike uh, Dematio, Dematio. Dematio. There we go. Um, right. Who's currently the assistant coach at Buffalo Grove High School, uh, was the head coach, uh, might be retiring, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, coach, how are you doing? I'm doing good, doing real good. Good. Um, kind of for people who don't know you or not familiar with your background, um, you will kind of go through. I mean, I mean, you can really view it as how you end up being a Hall of Fame coach um, there. Well, uh, yeah, pretty much no one knows who I am. That's okay.
1: <laughs> um, uh, I started way back in '87. I started at a Catholic school, and, uh, and even before then, I actually, uh, if you don't mind, I wrote a book about all of this called Confessions of a High School Football Coach, where I kind of kind of detailed the journey. Um, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, I, I wanted to be a, a football coach, specifically a high school coach since I was about 12 years old. Um, our local high school coach, his name is Jack Lease, was uh, the head coach of the Leiden Eagles, and they won the 77 state championship. Those guys are sort of our heroes. And I thought, I saw his picture in the paper once, and I thought, man, I really would like to be that guy. You know, so... That kind of started the journey, and, and uh, it's funny, I didn't even want to be involved in football when I was a kid until then. I, I thought the sport was too rough. And then uh, my mom convinced me to go out and play and and try it, and I fell in love. Um, as far as professionally professionally is concerned, I started at St. Pat's High School. and I worked under John Urban. Uh, in Illinois, John Urban is extremely well-known, um, very successful coach, and I was fortunate to, to uh, get a job working with him. Uh, I was a major pain in his butt because I called him at all hours and finally he told me you know stop calling me at night you know because I I uh, just wanted to do this so badly. Um, worked for a number of really good people and eventually got my first head coaching job at Leiden. I was there for a year um, and then uh, went all the way out to Gray's Lake where I was an assistant for Dan Dillon. Um, in uh, 2000 I got Uh, my second opportunity to be a head coach at Lake Zurich high school. And uh, it was then that uh, I decided to call upon an old friendship. It's kind of an interesting story uh, with Jeff Munkin Uh, at the time he was an assistant at Georgia Southern. Um, We were trying to rebuild a program that had won, I think up until that point, three games in three years. And uh, uh, there were, there was a lot of issues. Anyway, we needed an identity and uh, I happened to see The 2000 national championship 1999-2000 national championship between uh georgia southern and uh paul johnson was there at the time and i didn't know jeff was the slots coach i didn't know that at the time in uh uh, youngstown state and i saw the game in in, uh at the insistence of one of my assistants and he said you got to see this team i've never seen an offense like this before and it was the spread triple and literally three plays into it i said that's what I'm looking to do you know now Jack Lees, way back when was a wishbone guy so I had been familiar with the wishbone um uh, but you know familiar is a very loose term you know <laughs> uh, uh so through a, a couple of phone calls one of them to see Ray Gregory who at the time was the head coach at uh, Southern Utah University <clears throat> um he had worked at the same high school that Jeff was working at that I happened to be at again it's kind of a long story anyway uh I said, Hey, have you seen Jeff recently? He said, yeah. He's at Georgia Southern university. Well, I about dropped coffee, books, everything. I just fell out. So you got to be kidding me. I just watched their team and I want to learn that offense. I said, well, here's his number. So I called Jeff. Hey, Mike, so good to hear from you. And next thing you know, he came in, uh, I think it was February, February of 2001 and spent 14 hours over two days, clinicking myself and my staff. And that's how we got involved in the spread triple. We were very successful. In year three, we made the semifinals. um, And uh, uh, Lake Zurich has made the playoffs ever since, including, you know, up until this year, I went to Hinsdale central. And uh, uh, this is where the evolution sort of took place. We had small slots. It's since Hinsdale Hinsdale was an eight, eight school. So the, 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 the strong safeties or the the, the alley players were a lot bigger than our slots were. Oh, it's just, it's an, it's a, we have eight divisions in Illinois and uh, we had a hard time blocking those guys. And you can't cut obviously in Illinois yeah. anyway. Uh, so I decided uh, along with our assistants, I said, you know, we got We got to come up with something that's going to let our little guys run in space. Some yet, I still want to be option-based. That's what I do. So I decided that um, we were going to take the offense that we, that's what we call it, the offense. And we were going to move it to the gun. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I, the problem was I didn't know how to do it. What, what I didn't know how to do is I didn't know how to to get the mesh properly. You know, I, I, that's the hard part. And so there was a a coach at uh, uh, Springfield, Illinois. His name is Ken Leonard. Ken's in the hall of fame. Ken's, I think he's the all-time winningest coach in the state of Illinois. He kind of pioneered a lot of shotgun stuff way back, you know, when, and so I called him out of the blue. He didn't know me from Adam and I said hey I'd, I'd like to uh I'd like to to talk to you about running some midline out of the gun and he said absolutely he said where do you live I said carry I'll carry in Springfield about three and a half hours apart and uh he said I'll tell you the, how about this how about if I meet you halfway so he drove an hour and a half and I drove an hour and a half and we met in Key. now I think about that for a second that's pretty unbelievable that yeah. that a man of his stature is going to, you know, willing to drive halfway. Well, we spoke for three hours, literally three hours on nothing but mesh technique. That's it. And and, and that, that's literally all we talked about. And uh, I went back to Hinsdale and that spring, we put it in or that summer, I should say, we put it in. And uh, it took us a whole summer to get things the way that we wanted them. But that year running, taking, so imagine taking Paul Johnson's offense and just moving the whole thing into the gun. The only difference is you put your slots on our our landmarks, our hash, and then numbers. That's where our landmarks are. And you get a yard play one way or the other. Had to come up with some motions, um, timing, to get slots in the proper pitch relationship. All the rules that you would have, for example, under center, we moved to the gun, except for the mesh. We had to obviously figure out how to do the mesh. And we did with Ken's help. And we were extremely successful that season. We were <clears throat> seven and two regular season. I don't know why I have this frog, sorry. You're good. Um, seven and two regular season. We uh, won a first round playoff game. We lost the second round playoff game on it. And literally the last five seconds of the game. Um, and so we, uh, we, we had a, a, an outstanding, uh, an outstanding experience in 2008. Uh, we went to the state championship. I, I, I want to say, if memory serves, and I could be wrong, but we were pretty damn close, if not into about 5,000 yards offense that season. Okay, it was it was it was pretty damn effective, and we had tweaked a couple things. I mean, the offense is really based off of four plays, but it's all option based, and uh, uh, we had some great success. And then when I went to Buffalo Grove, um, we kind of did the same thing. This year we were nine and two, land, and in the spring COVID season. We were five and one um, for the last couple, three years. Uh, So it's been a, it's been a really great adjustment. I've learned a lot um, and I've uh, been asked about it a lot and I've I've tried to help people learn it. Um, But uh, that's kind of my evolution of the whole thing. And to my knowledge, I mean, we were doing zone triple, but true triple way back in 2007 before anybody kind of even thought about that, at least as far as I can tell. Um, And it was, it was really fun learning it and um, it's a, it's a, very effective offense i like it better than the pistol i i think if you're going to be in the pistol why not just be under center that's that's just my attitude <laughs> so if you're gonna if you're gonna you know if if you're gonna do it either be in the gun or be under center that that's just the way i see it um and and uh it's been extremely successful for us and offers us a lot of a lot of advantages a lot of things that you can do um all option based but uh, if you have a kid that's a maybe a better thrower that one particular year, you know, you can maybe emphasize that piece. In other words, it's, it doesn't just lock you into certain things. And I still think under center triple is phenomenal, you know, but, but uh, I also think that to a certain degree, it's, it's just a little bit limited, but you know, you look at Kerry Grove here in Illinois, who just won their second or third state championship and they're all under center, you know? So I think it just comes down to what you want to get out of the offense. But for us, uh, and for in my career anyway, the, the gun triple has been has been
0: outstanding. Now, before we kind of get into like true triple stuff, I mean, you mentioned your book there, which I'll put the link to that in the bio. Um, but you, I mean, you I mean, me and you talked a little bit before we came on. I mean, the, the, you you wrote the um, Professions of a High School Football Coach, and part of that in there is your is your relationship with not only um, Jeff Munkin, but you, I mean, you your relationship with all the Munkins pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yep. you want to kind of expand on kind of what you've been able to take from the Munkins? I mean, obviously, Jeff's the I mean, runs a triple at Army and all that, but what you've been able to take from them over the years and kind of integrate into not only the, the triple, but kind of your coaching style and how you coach. Well, it's funny, Tony and I, uh, Tony Munkin is Jeff's cousin, uh,
1: and and uh, Tony and I started, I, I Tony actually started the, the football program at Vernon Hills. They didn't even have one. Um, and so when I started learning all this, I think it was Tony's first year, maybe a second year, maybe. And, and Jeff kind of hooked us up. And so we started talking with each other heck, almost daily, I think. And we, because of that relationship, developed a very close friendship. I, I consider him a brother. Um, <clears throat> during those years, especially when I was at League Zurich, um, the one thing I think that that I got from Tony. I mean, Tony's got a vast football knowledge. Every time I'm around him, you know, I, 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 I walk away thinking, man, I don't, I don't really know anything about this game. You know, he's, he's just got a vast amount of knowledge and he's extremely detail oriented, um, but his knowledge of defense. And that's the one thing that I think uh, as an offensive coach, we sometimes overlook, the fact that we need to be knowledgeable about defense, almost defensive coordinator for my, my career. I was a DC, but I mean, uh, Tony was one of the best. Um, And, and uh, so I've learned from him, the importance of just understanding defense. And I don't mean to say that, you know, it's, I just drew up X's and O's and hoped it worked. My point is studying defense as much as you study offense. Um, He is. And the other thing I think that I've learned from Tony is (laughs) I don't know if I can say it on a podcast, but he used to call me coach 10 fucker, you know, I'd be, I'd be squeezing so hard before games and he would just be so relaxed. And, and the thing that I learned from him is that if you can relax, you can think, you yeah. know, when you, when you get so wrapped up, you just can't think. And as a young fiery coach that I was, um, you know, in terms of, uh, game night, et cetera, I, I learned to just kind of relax, um, and, 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 and the more relaxed that was the better game I called. And it, he's he's been really good for me with in, in that regard. Um, his brother is a, as far as I'm concerned, a wizard on defense. That's Teddy. Um, he's he's an outstanding defensive mind. So the three of us get together um, uh, fairly often, and talk always turns into turns into football. The next thing you know, napkins are flying all over the table. And and honestly, in many instances, I'm I'm a spectator. You know, I, 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 I it's, it's fun to listen to, and, and I, I truly believe that you can listen. If you the more you can listen, the more you can learn. Um, I'll, you know, I, I'll put my two cents in there too. But my point is, it's always great to listen to great coaches. And as I told you earlier, we have a, a, a fourth coach in that mix, and his name is uh, Bill Modelski. He's in the Hall of Fame also. So the four of us have a little club we call the Rocked Club R O C E D, retired old coaches eating and drinking. And when we get together, we have a great time. Um, it's a, like an impromptu clinic, but it's always fun. And, and I, I always come away learning something. And I think, you know, it's funny. I talked to Tony the other day and uh, I said, you can watch that LSU game. I think got so many guys out. He, he said, yeah. And I said, let me ask you why. And he said, because I can always learn something, you know, how to use a, how to use person. I can always figure out to learn something. And it just reinforced when you talk to people like that, it just constantly reinforces your own set of beliefs, you know, or makes you question certain things. And that's a good thing. I think, you know, sometimes people get too, too comfortable. And so I'm always looking to, I'm always looking to learn something new and listen to something new and, and or reaffirm what I think is is right or wrong. And Tony, Tony and I do that with each other all the time. He'll call me, Hey, how do you do this? And I'll I'll tell him what I think. And I'll do the same to him. So it's been a great relationship.
0: Now, I mean, you, you also mentioned there at the beginning that you kind of had to figure out the mesh when you mm-hmm. switched from understanding Gun. What exactly did you have to figure out? And what did you, did you figure out? I, I know it's probably a long-convoluted No,
1: it is. Thing, I, it's funny. I just, uh, I just did a clinic for uh, the Illinois High School Football Coach Association, and my whole clinic was literally just on mesh. Um, and I think it's one of the big misconceptions about gun option football is, and I'm talking true triple now, downhill triple. I'm not talking about zero, you know, zone triple. I'm talking about true triple, is it hits too slow. It hits too slow. You can't do it out of the gun, it hits too slow. We run inside beer, we run midline, and believe it or not, we run outside beer from the gun. And have been very effective with it. Um, And it all has to do with the mesh. So a lot of times when guys are trying to do the mesh, because they can't get it to time up properly with the snap of the ball, the quarterback meshing, the running back getting downhill, what do they do? They typically move the running back back a yard. Okay. Now that may be okay in college. Maybe I say maybe, um, because those are collegiate athletes, Um, but high school kids, eh, not so much. It is going to hit slow. So we had to figure out a way when you're under center, your you're quarter you're, you're a quarterback's, I'm sorry, your your B-back's heels are at five. How do you get in the gun, your quarterback and your B-back to mesh when both of their heels are at five yards? How do you do it? And that was the biggest problem, biggest hurdle we had to overcome. Uh, because uh, when the ball is snapped and the running back starts going downhill, the quarterback gets the ball, he takes a step while well, the running back is typically past him, which means he's going to be reaching forward to try to get a mesh. And, then it's not a mesh. Then the ball winds up on the ground. Everybody's yelling at each other. Kids feel bad. You know, dogs and cats are fighting. Everybody starts to cry. So we had to figure out how to how to do that. And and the, the, there is a secret to it. And the secret is, there's, there's three parts actually. The first part is, the ball has to be snapped on the tee and set. So our cadence is ready, set, go. And on the tee and set, the ball is on its way back. The second part of it is, when you get to the T and set the quarterback has to attack that ball downhill. So as the ball's coming back to him, he's attacking the ball and that shrinks the amount of time that the ball is actually in the air. The third thing is, and I like offset backs. I don't, I don't necessarily like behind the quarterback, although we have a formation called cannon. We'll do that. We bump our quarterback up a half yard and the B back is still at five. Yeah. Still at five. Cause you got to have consistency for your kids. So it almost winds up like, you know, they're like this. Okay, You know what I'm saying? Like almost touching each other. Um, But I like offset for a whole lot of reasons. Anyway, as the quarterback is attacking downhill, the B-back takes a slide step. And then he goes downhill and his, his aiming point is exactly the same as it would be under center, inside leg of the play side guard. And then once the quarterback gets the ball, he snaps the ball right back. The teaching point to that is if it's running inside here to the right, we would call it 12. His right hand is attached to his right hip soon as his right hip turns, his right hand turns. And he's he, old school, ride and decide. Put the ball back into the B-back, and, you know, ride, ride him through. So we had to figure that out. And there was a number of footballs that were on the ground before, you know, we, we, we actually figured that out and figured out how to teach it. And that's, that's the key. And it's a three-step process, um, which we were able to develop called soft squeeze. Um, and once we did that, things sort of fell into place. You know so when you, if you teach the mesh properly it's it's a beautiful thing to see it really is it's fun to watch but the whole i to my mind having done it since 2007 um it's all about the mesh and you get okay. that the rest of it falls into place and all the rules blocking wise by the way are the same you know scheme wise are, they're all the same you know if you want to it doesn't matter what scheme you run it's when i gave the clinic i said you know if you guys want me to talk scheme i'll talk scheme all damn day but everybody's got scheme the, the question is how do you get from point a to point b how does that ball get into his b-bags belly and mesh it and that's why i spent that hour talking about mesh
0: okay i mean that, that's actually really great stuff i mean that's fantastic i mean you mentioned another blocking rules change so not a single you didn't have to change a single thing it's nothing rule. okay
1: all the rules that i learned from jeff way back in 2000 that paul johnson did they're all the same now you can tweak them like i have a really He's another really good option football coach in Illinois. His name is Mark Browns. He does a a really nice uh, down block and pull with the down block and pull with the center scheme against a one technique, which is kind of interesting. And he, you know, my point is there's a lot of ways to do it. But if you're going to talk about, you know, uh, Irk Russell and, you know, Paul Johnson and Tim Stowers and, and their rules, nothing changes. Nothing changes. It's all the same stuff.
0: The key is the mesh. Now, I mean, obviously, you changed the mesh point um, and you changed. Yeah, I think you said your, your splits of your uh, slot backs. Is, is, are those really the only, the mesh, the mesh and the slot backs, really the main, and the motions, the main thing you had to figure out? Yeah, uh, that's um, it. Cause, it, cause you got to
1: figure out the timing, you know. So for our motion, for example, for our slots, how do you get your slot who's on the hash? How do you get him in the proper pitch relationship? And, you know, without sounding like a, you know, like a jerk, you know, practice, but for us, the way that we got to that point is, and and I, 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 I kind of came up with this when I was at Lake Zurich and I, I, uh, I kind of like it, What we'll do is we'll take, so if we're going to run inside here to the right, we'll take our left slot and we will have him jog the quarterback, send him in motion. And he jogs, literally jogs to that spot one by one off the tackle and once he hits that spot he bursts. And the reason I like that is because it changes the timing for the DBs. If they're following and then all of a sudden the B or the the slot bursts, now he's a step behind. Um so it's kind of like uh uh I well I don't know what it's like really it's just how we do it. Um and then he gets himself in pitch relationship and then we we run our offense. You know when when does he go? When the uh when the ball is snapped, there there is a timing between. Well, that sounded ridiculous. When the ball is snapped, well, of course he's going to go when the ball is snapped. That was dumb. Um, but there is a timing between the quarterback when he snaps the ball and the a back or the slot that's in motion. And honestly, that comes with practice, and you you literally have to take the time to time that out. And what we found was that every slot is different. So one kid might be faster than another kid. So he might get into pitch relationship a little bit differently than another kid. Um, and that that literally is reps. So we have, everybody does the three ball drill, I'm sure. You know, when when you're running uh, your handoff and your pitch and all that, everybody does the three ball drill. Well, we do it from our slots being in the slot position. And we run the three ball drill until we get it right. Um, and It's just literally reps. And what's interesting is kids figure it out. So here's another little thing that I do differently or did differently or do or did i'm not sure yet right so i'm not sure whether i'm going to retire um i don't use cones or landmarks for our pitchbacks. a lot of guys like to use cones and that kind of stuff you know run to the cone uh, four by one one i don't i don't like that and the reason i don't like it is because there aren't any cones on a football field so i want them to be able to to make those adjustments based on sight and based on where they're at. Um, and you know, our rule is you keep going lateral till the quarterback turns up and he turns up, you turn up, you know, and, and uh, you, we, we like your distance to be, uh, four yards, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, and we don't want you to be four, by, we don't want you to be uh, one yard deep, four yards, wide. We don't want that. Um, I want the ball pitched laterally. Why pitch it backwards a yard? Then he's got to run an extra yard just to get zero. I don't want that. I want him running downhill all the time. So we try to pitch literally laterally so that every step he takes, he gains air. We always, we call it gain ground. I got that from Jeff years ago, gain ground, every step, you got to gain ground. Um, And and, uh, that's really uh, where you get a lot of your big plays off of the pitch. Um, If you think about it, if you pitch backwards, and and the kid's got to run three yards to get to the line of scrimmage. Well, that's three yards he could have been going forward you know so we teach lateral pitch now the only exception to that is if we get a blood stunt if we get a blood stunt then we have no choice you know quarterback's how to get rid yeah. of the ball pick it, and, and you get what you get but usually
0: if they blood stunt you and you do things right in the edge um you're in really good shape sometimes we're turn blood stunt, stunt there it's like, it's like the universal name for a stunt to stop the triple like anytime yeah, we right. ever, ever trying to stop triple blood it's like yeah that right is exactly
1: um uh Uh, The other thing with it, we will run a formation that we call a deuce where you take both your backs or both of your slots and put them in the backfield. Then you'll have, so you might have, let's say, a slot right formation, a wide receiver to the left, and then you'll have your quarterback and then two backs offsetting on either side. And we'll run triple from there too. You know, midline leader, you know, midline triple. Midline triple was big for us this year, huge for us this year. Out of the gun, we faced a lot of odd defenses this year. We ran the hell out of midline triple had a lot of success with
0: it that you also mentioned a little bit there like drills I mean what I mean and I, I've always wondered this because I only I coached a, on a bad triple offense for one year um where, where do you guys focus for drills and then what does kind of like practice look like for like an established um what it would be under center or gun team was that kind of like week of a of a practice look like well, for us, um, I we're big. When I was a head coach, uh, I was
1: a really big believer in in part, part whole. So we would do uh, every day, for example, from whether we're under center or whether we're in the gun, we we do what we call a mesh drill every single day for 15 minutes, um, and we'll do 10 minute pre practice and then 15 minute drill time. You know, so that's uh, you know that's 25 minutes of just mesh, and and the reason is because. My quarterback has to get a look at all the different kinds of stunts that he's going to be that he's going to be looking at, um, whether it's that week's opponent, or whether it is, for example, in summer camp we just run through them all. Whether it's stack stunt, you know, uh, easy stunt, uh, blood stunt, whatever the case may be, um, so we always do part, part, whole. Our offensive line will be doing; their, they'll be doing their their uh, their uh, EDDs, everyday drills, and, and we're always doing mesh. And our slots will rotate from receiver drills or stock drills to coming over with us. And then the second thing we'll do, the second phase of that would be a group set where we would take our slots and our B-back, um, and then we'll work uh, our triple drills or we'll work uh, our counter drills or, or maybe our bubble game or something like that. And again, the offense, that's a whole nother segment for the offensive line. Um, and that would probably be around 15 minutes. Um, uh, and then we'll do inside run and sometimes we will go half line, but most of the time not, um, uh, and our inside run period is 10 minutes. It's not full blast, kill everybody. You know, we're not trying to do that. We're not trying to get people hurt. Um, there are bags and there are, uh, shields or we'll use like the, we used to use the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the arm, like the yellow arm yeah. shields, you know, those kinds of things. Um, uh, and then we go to team and put the whole thing together um and then each day is different so for example um monday is a walk-through day if we play on friday tuesday we'll do uh inside in, inside veer in midline or midline triple whatever the case may be wednesday we go we, we'll add we'll sprinkle those in but then that'll be our counter game day and of course we have a segment for passing uh, whatever we're going to do that day and then uh Thursday we just re, we uh, re re walk through, and then Friday we go in. With any luck, um, so you know it's it's a pretty programmed thing, you know. And, and to some people it may seem kind of boring. You know we don't do uh, we don't do things like a, uh, one day we have like a trick play day or anything like that. Some guys like it because it keeps things fresh. Our attitude is we're going to drill 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 and, and drill and, and the fun part comes on friday nights when you win and, and uh, you know listen 25 minutes uh, of mesh you know and, and the various variations off of that um can be kind of boring and so uh for my guys they came up with a drill champions or a, a, a statement and the statement is champions don't get bored you know there's always something you can fix and, and uh we typically however we don't we don't really go over two hours if we can at vet at, at most two hours and 15 minutes. Um, I think after that you get diminishing returns. You know, I know some guys still go three hours. And when I was a young coach, well, hell when I was a young coach and in, in, uh, summer camp, we had triples, you know, and then it was just diminishing returns I over the years. I've modified that. Um, but I think that if you go part, part whole, um, you can get a lot out of your players and, and, uh, and make sure you get your twos, reps, you know, those kinds of things. That's, that's all kind of built into that.
0: Okay. No. And then, I mean, I mean, you also mentioned odd fronts right there. And, and mm-hmm. I think, I think most high, I, mean, I think actually just most teams in general are moving to some variation of an odd front, even, yeah, from, I agree even, even if it looks like an even front, it's still a like hybrid player, probably at one of the ends. What mm-hmm. is, how's that call How, caused you to evolve or modify i mean you mentioned mid-triple was a big play for you this year right but how does it cause you to evolve or adjust things as a result um you
1: know the the rules for tri- for true triple option football are are uh, they're they're pretty standard and they, they fit pretty much everything so in terms of running true triple whether it's midline inside here outside rear, there's not been a whole lot that's been modified other than um running for example midline in a one technique so sometimes uh, uh you might get maybe an offset nose we'll, what we call we call anything anything that isn't directly over. this is my terminology anything that isn't directly over the center we'll call a one technique No, that that's just or i take that back we'll call them a zero shade that's what i meant to say we'll call them a zero shade um, zero shade right zero shade left um and i still subscribe to the old count system that gets beat up all the time on Twitter, you know, 1, 2, 3, four, five, four, five, seven, six, nine. That's me. It's because I'm, you know, 58 years old and I'm old. And <laughs> if the bear did it, everybody, you know, <laughs> I don't know that I subscribe to that, but it's just what I learned and it's what I've always done. And, you know, kids will learn anything as long as you teach it to them. Um, so, you know, they don't care. Um, so one of the things that we've done though is, is teams will, uh, like we have midline called, we, we used to pair it up with inside veer. So midline to the three, inside veer to the one, you know, but uh, good defensive coordinators can kind of figure that out. And so what we decided to do, one of the modifications that we made was if we're going to run midline, for example, to the right, we would call that 10, and we get a zero shade or we get a, we get a one. Um, we call the, the quarterback will tell the B back, he'll, he'll just say to him, wrap. And what that means is we down block with the play side guard, combo with the center the b-back meshes but he's going to hug that combo and get vertical and the quarterback's going to keep it and follow him so it becomes quarterback follow is what it becomes that's just a really good way to uh throw a wrench into that particular scheme and, and still get your midline action plus you get that extra player on the linebacker um so little tweaks like that but in terms of really running the triple for me anyway the rules haven't really changed all that much um what we added at at hinsdale when we when we started running all this though our run game consisted basically of of four schemes and that's pretty much it um our our inside veer and midline and we kind of count that as as, is one scheme because it's such a big part of what we do then we ran counter trade triple with the bubble so imagine running counter trade to the right yeah. But your left slot bubbles. So the quarterback's going to read the five tech. If the five tech comes down, wants to follow the counter trade quarterback pulls it and he's on number two, number two wants to take the quarterback. Then we throw the bubble on the run at number three. We started doing that in 20- 2007. Um, and then the third one, we used to call it our outplay. If for whatever reason we were getting inside pressure or uh, for whatever reason, uh, we had a hard time, had, especially the linebackers. Sorry, we had a hard time. But then we would run zero zone triple,
0: yeah.
1: You know, and then we would just pick everybody up. Um, so those are our those are our, our our base four. midline inside veer counter trade triple, and then um, zero. Those are the four that. We, and we had variations off of some of that. Um, uh, one one problem we found in the summertime is that a, a if if the five tech came down hard and the linebacker scraped behind him, we, we had a really hard time with Sear. Um, so we came up with a solution for that. Um, so th- those kinds of things, but uh, you know, everybody can come up with their own tweaks. And as far as our offense is concerned, those were the base four.
0: Okay. Now uh, like three more questions for you is um, first, I mean, I'm, I'm always curious about this. I, and I really have never really cared what offense it is, but, what, what I mean, what do you tell your box guy to look for? what is that communication like on Fridays uh, for what they're specifically telling you and because everybody's a little different, but for your offense for what you're looking for. So when you say box guys, are you talking about the guard box? Know, I'm talking about the um, press box. Oh, the
1: upstairs okay, so yeah. that's actually a really, really good question. Um, when I was and I was actually the box guy for the last three years. And it was, it was uh, as our OC was learning the offense. um, When I was on the field, I always told our, I always had two guys, three guys up there. Actually. I had one guy specifically looking for the backside linebacker. um, Specifically one guy look, and I'll tell you why in a second, Uh, one guy looking at like everybody does secondary rotation. Um, And then the third guy uh, was looking at the front side linebacker. The defensive line, myself, and the, and, the, and the offensive line coach who was on the field, we take care of that. But the most important guy is the, whoever is watching the bat, and it's boring for those guys. They, you know, Everybody wants to get caught up in watching the, watching the game, but here's the key. If you're going to be a successful, to my mind anyway, if you're going to be a successful triple option team, you have got to have a counter game. I don't care how you do the counter game. I don't care whether it's from the gun you want to run, uh, uh, rpo counter i call that a counter to me that's a counter you want to run quarterback counter you want to run uh what we used to what, what paul johns used to call 18 19 option guys that might be listening to this know that play um you, you we've got to have a counter game we ran when i was under center counter iso it was actually counter iso trap Um, I mean, it was it was a great play for us um if you don't have that your option game is going to be dead in the water uh, to my mind unless you're just overpowering so that guy in the box that is concentrating on the on whoever the backside linebacker is that guy will kill an option team every single time if you don't get a handle on him he tells me when that guy's coming hard front side that cues our counter game Uh, again there's a number of different ways to do it we had a we had something we called a a shoot pass in the backside backside uh, w or x that was our terminology for him to to take care of that guy rotating cover two safety we had a we had a a, a pass a backside pass for that guy um so you you've got to be able to counter what they're doing in terms of getting people to the front side of the of the the play and then that's so that guy was huge so secondary rotation guy backside linebacker guy frontside linebacker guy that's who we had and then i took care of the offensive line with the o-line coach
0: okay See, then that's and that's why I asked the question because everybody's different, every offense is a little different, what they look for. And absolutely. And I think that's somewhere some, something we really struggled with this year was figuring out our the press box situation. Well, uh, the hard part is I think, and, and this is just
1: from my experience over the years, a lot of times guys will put the most inexperienced guys up in the box because you know maybe they don't have the rapport with the kids yet or something like that. But if you do that. To my mind, again, this is just me. Now what you're doing is you're taking a a really good weapon out of your arsenal. You know, you should have like your, maybe your most experienced guy up there. So for us at Buffalo Grove, the last three years, I was the box guy, which by the way, I I really enjoyed because I I was tired of being on the sidelines and (laughs) and dealing with the weather. Although We didn't have such bad weather, Um, but I could help ROC because I knew what he was looking for on every play because what I would be looking for. And I was, you know, I was, I was teaching the system yeah. um, and it, it worked out really, really well. And ROC is a fine, fine, fine young offensive court. He's going to be really, really good. Um, and, and uh, it, w- it was a really good opportunity for me to, to get a, a different view of the whole thing too, you know? So my advice would be for any OC that might be listening, whether they're an option football guy or not, you know, and it's maybe that maybe the experienced guy doesn't he likes being on the field well, we got to win games. And I would say take your experienced guy and put him up there. Um, because that 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 eye in the sky is huge, it can solve a lot of problems and you know, see things that that on the field you just flat can't see.
0: Okay, now I mean, you've hit on a lot of it already, but from a I, I got two, uh, two parts of this one, from a play calling's perspective, are you? more Mike Leach and Paul Johnson to where it's all on a note card or in your head, or are you big play call sheet? And then what, how do you, how's the play call preparation throughout the week look for you as you prepare for a team? Obviously you, you might get some fronts you've not seen before and all that lily jazz, but kind of what does that process look like? Um. So I am a never use a play call sheet guy. Um, because it
1: honestly, it just confuses the hell out of me. Um, I, I'll take the time during the week. You now these are the, see that's the other beauty of running option football. You don't need there. The, to my mind, there's two kinds of offenses. This is just me. Okay. I hope I don't offend anybody out there, but there's two. <laughs> and it drives me completely insane. Uh, especially watching the pros more than anything, but, uh, uh, There's two kinds of offenses. There's a system offense. And then there's what I like to call the collection of plays offense. And and the collection of plays offense is, Hey, this is a real, I saw this really cool play. You know, we got to put that in, you know, I mean that, that, that can go on endlessly because there's so many brilliant minds out there. Um, But especially at the high school level. and, and, And I think it works at the collegiate level as well, because, uh, at least my collegiate experience, it was, was one of the things that, uh, needed to happen. I think, um, when you have a system in that system, typically you're going to have an, if this, then that ideal that goes with it. So for me, an option football, you do this, I'm doing that. You know, I have an answer. I don't have to search through, you know, a thousand plays in a playbook or, you know. Uh, Uh, you know, 75 plays on a play sheet. You're doing this. I'm doing this. Um, the other rule that we, we go by is this. I'm, and I I can't take credit for it. This comes from Jeff Munkin specifically from Paul Johnson and I learned it in 2000 and it's served me well ever since. Um, do not change the play, change the formation. You know, if you're going to be an option team, uh, you can use formations to your advantage to get you back to inside veer, for example. Now inside veer is kind of going out of favor with a lot of guys. They're, they're actually running more, uh, you know, zone dive kind of stuff and midline and midline triple and, and, and uh, zone speed. i maybe I'm a dinosaur, but I'm going to find a way. I'm finding a way to get back to inside veer, one way or the other. That's what we're doing. Cause that's, what we hang our hat on. Um, and there's a lot of ways to do it. But the first way, is to change the formation, not the play. And I think that that can go for any offense. When, uh, when I was multiple I, many, many, many years ago, that mantra I did not have. And so what did I have? I had this massive collection of plays that may or may not have all fit together. And I didn't really have an if this then that ideal. You know, I had okay that play didn't work. Let's let's try this one. You know, now you're grab bagging a little bit. And 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 uh, to me, the beauty of option football whether it's the system that we developed or the system that you know under center uh, it's 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 very much a system and I think that's really really important so when I'm game planning um, I'm gonna fall back on our system we're these this is what we do we're gonna bet that what we practice every single day since the summer we're gonna be better than than you can figure it out in three days and and when you know when we're gonna go uh, and, and, uh, what I will do then for my game planning is, and I, I might do it a little bit differently. I'm not sure. Um, and you're right. You do get a bunch of junk fronts and all that kind of, that's what we call them junk fronts, you know, uh, defense of the week, because they're playing an option team. <clears throat> In my experience, I found the best teams don't do that. Um, the toughest teams for us to deal with really don't do junk fronts. But having said that, the way that I approach it is I will find common formations so let's say I have three films on you. I'm going to find the common formations that the teams you played against, we, we run. So everybody runs trips. I want to see how you align to trips. And I want to see how you're going to play cover two to trips. Or are you going to play cover four? Are you going to play you know a quarter, quarter, half? You know What are you going to do to trips? And I'm going to keep track of it. Then I'm going to look for spread. What do you do against spread? Then I'm going to look for some sort of unbalanced formation. We love to run unbalanced formations. And if you think about it, trips is really an unbalanced formation. Um, what, what, what are you going to, how are you going to align? What is your tendency against these, these formations? Um, and, and then what's your possible tweak? You know, what could you do from your base? Now, if you're a, if you're a junk front guy, you can tell that. You, know, you, you, can, you can tell that as you, as you watch film. Um, but most defensive coordinators have a tendency. I and mean, what's really interesting and what some one of the things that I learned over the years, and I learned it from a uh, a really good uh, offensive mind, His name is Jamie Pass. Um, uh, you may play cover two, and the team that we're playing this week it may not be you, but they play cover two, but they play different. you know they they may align their guys a little bit differently. They may have a, 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 a maybe, some I saw some guys, they play their cover two corner or the cover two saves outside the hash. Now, to me, that's, that's a big deal to me. Some guys will never leave the hash. So how do you play cover two? You know, And I want to know that. And that's going to help me formulate what I'm going to do for the week. And we'll, 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 we keep it simple. We run our base. Um, our passing system is designed to be very, very flexible. We don't use um, concepts. Um, I actually tell every receiver what I want them to do um, the way that we do it. Um, but they have to know intrinsically how to run their route based on what the guy next to them, the outside kid next to them is doing. And we have three different releases um, uh, as to how to get to that point. Cause spacing is a really, really big deal, um, but we limit our quarterback. You know, you're reading one guy. That's it. So you got, you peek your deep shot. But then we're then if that 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 guy's not there on the second step, then you come right down to your read, you know, and then our gift route is on the backside. Um so that's kind of how we'll do it. most of it is based on formation. How do you align? And then once you're in that formation, how do you play cover too? How do you, you know, what are your covers out of that formation? And then I'll formulate a game plan or you know, we will formulate a game plan
0: based on that. I don't know. Did that make any sense at all? <laughs> no, it no, is it, it, actually perfect. Seriously. Like I'm just I'm I'm just soaking it all in and I'll probably end up taking a bunch of notes when I re-re listen this to edit it. Um that's fantastic. And I think you can take that from not just as you kind of mentioned, not just from gun triple or underscore triple, but that, you could use that for anything. Wherever, yeah, where offense you're running. Um well, one of the it, things that
1: I found interesting is when I coached collegiately, um, and 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 I, <laughs> Again, some of the guys listening to this might think that I'm, uh, I'm completely out of my mind, but um, sometimes you can watch too much film and you, right. and you get to the point where, you know, I watched the safety step forward with his right foot on Thursday, you know, and, and something triggered, we got to put in a tag for that. Next thing you know, your entire offense is nothing but tags and, and you're adding things and then you're adding things on a Thursday you know and 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 kids aren't going to remember that you know and even collegiately kids can't remember that and and so uh to my mind we're going to try to keep things as consistent as possible you know whatever we're going to put in on you know the last day we put anything in is on a tuesday um and and we we're going to be very methodical as to how we game plan but it all revolves around our core you know all of it revolves around our core and that's why Running ball-wise, we, we, everything is an option game with us, everything. So I don't know if that, again, I
0: well, – No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Seriously. That's that, different. But. Um, and, the, and then the, the last question I have for you because, I mean, I would be an idiot not to ask. You, you have, have coached for 35 years. And even though I've coached for 11, there, there's a vast much more wisdom that you can impart on me or any other coach that listens to this, and that would be a fool not to ask. Is there any lessons – or things you've taken away from coaching for 35 years that you want to pass, that any good advice, anything you pass on to whether it be high, head coaches, assistant coaches, coordinator, I mean, that doesn't really matter, but any advice you would like to pass on? Cool. Um, I,
1: yeah, I, you know, things that I've learned as well. Um, one of them is for all of us to remember that we might be, especially in this particular game, we might be the only positive influence in a young person's life. Uh, we don't know what goes on outside of, of the field sometimes and in people's home lives. And, and we're, maybe we're not supposed to know, but what we, what we can know is the experience that we give them on the field. And that does not mean, you know, be soft with them. It's not what it means. Because I think if you're gonna be successful, there have to be expectations. If we do not have expectations, um, people will typically sink to the lowest common denominator. And, and it's our job is in this particular sport, I can't speak for other sports. Although I coach track and, and I have expectations there too. We need to, to, to get kids to raise their level of expectation. There's lots of ways to do it. Um, but we need to remember that at the end of the day, especially for high school and even in college, I think, um, we need to remember that a lot of times we might be the only positive influence in their lives. And if we keep that perspective, I think that we'll be better coaches for it. You know, and that, again, that doesn't mean somebody screws up, they should be disciplined. There's, then we have to you know, hold our expectations, but discipline doesn't necessarily mean grabbing people by the face mask and screaming in their face. And you know, what, it, what it means is hold to a standard. Um, there's a lot of kids out there, especially now, um, unfortunately, that are, uh, are struggling. And, and in some cases, football and, and athletics in general can be an oasis for them, you know? And, and I think that's a, that's a positive thing. In my early days, I used to be a screamer because uh, I honestly, I didn't know how to coach. And what you'll find in my, in my opinion, over my experiences, the guys that scream and holler all the time typically don't know their sport the way they're supposed to. Um, you know, the guys that really do have that quiet confidence, that like, listen, I'll get on you now but I'll get on you for lack of effort. You know, that's what I'll get on you for. Cause that's the one thing we can control. We can definitely control our effort. Um, and and uh, I think that's the, probably the biggest thing I've learned over the years. You know, um, and I think the other, the last thing for me was to, and I learned this from Tony, I can't take credit for it. Way or less, be a technician. You know, if you're an assistant, forget about your head coach, your, your, your head coaching job in the future be an assistant man and, and be the best assistant you can be and be a technician george Baglione, who i worked for many years ago uh instilled that upon me and, and tony just reinforced it you gotta be a technician if you're a wide receivers coach you know learn learn how to teach get-offs you know is the kid going to take a top gun release is he not is he gonna does he need to take a burst release on this route because the outside kid is doing this or is it an attack release you know um where does he put his hands to make the best possible opportunity for him to catch the ball be the best technician you can be the rest of that stuff falls into place but in the end whether it's collegiately or whether it's high school it's about our players you know it's about kids um and i think this the the same holds true maybe even all the way up to the nfl i have uh, right now, one former player of mine that's in the league, and I've had, I think, four total. Um, and in the end, at the end of the day, it's still a game, and they're still they're grown ass men, but you know, uh, they're still people too. And so, I, I think that a couple of those things are important.
0: That's perfect, coach. So I'm gonna wrap it up, um, coaches. Um, first, I, I mean, follow this. Follow them on Twitter. I'll put that in the bio, check out his book. I'll uh, put the link for that as well. And you can, anybody can, anybody I can help, you know,
1: I'm, I'm an open book man. send me an email spread offense at gmail.com.
0: And I'll put that in the, in the, um, uh, you said spread offense at gmail.com.
1: at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm happy put, to help. I'll put that in the bio as well. Coaches. Uh, so you can just copy and paste that in there. Good. Shoot coach. Like I said, coach, uh, was, was very gracious to come on and got, got, got back to me very quickly after he got recommended. Um, like I said, make sure you check all that out. Um, again, thank you for like, uh, liking, sharing, subscribing, listening to the podcast, all that lovely stuff. Um, and that was another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.